This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. I've got some financial disclosure. Most of them are uh, equipment that has lent by companies, um, but most of my research is done by uh, public funds from public agencies. My talk will go through an introduction. The, the methodology we use for the consensus conference, the main recommendations that came out on acute respiratory distress syndrome, and then the conclusion. We were using a definition for a, a acute respiratory distress syndrome that was co coming from the American and European uh, consensus conference in 1994, and more recently in Berlin, there was an adaptation of, of this definition. When we look to the definition and to our practice, there is differences between the adult world and the management of ERDS and what we are facing in pediatrics. Um, there, the pediatric uh, acute lung disease differs in terms of etiology, so do we need to have specific uh, highlight on this? The pediatric practice differs from adults on the ventilator settings, on the use of blood gases, on some uh, technical aspects and um, the, outcome, the outcomes are better uh, for pediatric lung injury. So we conducted a, um, a point prevalence study that was presented this morning on uh, the mechanical ventilation strategies, um, and we showed that there was a high variability among all of us. And the question was, is it possible that we agree on, um, on a spe specific definition and strategy in the management of the RDS? And for that, we, um, we discussed with, uh, at the PALISI, the Pediatric Acute Lung Injury and Investigators Network, to see, to see how we can um, um, go to, this, uh, to, a, to a consensus. Well, first of all, we met with three people. So Neil Thomas from Penn State, Doug Wilson uh, from the University of Virginia, and myself. And when we, we start discussing on this idea, um, um, a few months later, we were looking rather like that, uh, and they finally decided to go through a, a specific uh, methodology. The main problem was, uh, is that there is not a lot of uh, evidence in the literature of, on, the on the definition and management of, uh, of the RDS in, in children, so we had to, to innovate the, the methodology for that. We put our ideas in a paper that has been published in pediatric critical care medicine uh, recently. And then we decided, um, because there was few data in the literature, low level of evidence on high variability in clinical practice, uh, we decided to use uh, an expert confer uh, system conference. But uh, I, I, I was trained with a, a French-speaking intensive care society that was using such an approach. And then we modified this methodology to adapt it to an international conference. So we we designed the methodology, we went to a lot of, of societies to see if they agreed to support the, this, um, this way of thinking. And here are all the supporters that, uh, that were involved in our, in our uh, consensus conference. Then we define experts that will work on, the, on, on this consensus conference. And here is the first slide, the first uh, picture we had at the first meeting, and I will go through the methodology just after. 
So we, de we defined the expert, we defined the topics, we divided uh, ERDS into nine sections, going through definition, incidence, and epidemiology. And for each uh, subtopic, there was uh, at least two experts that were designed to work on, on that. And you've got the name of the slides. We, the, the second topic was the physiology, and the third on ventilatory support, the fourth on pulmonary specific ancillary treatment, the fifth on non-pulmonary treatments, the monitoring of patients with pediatric acute lung injury, non-invasive support, and non-invasive ventilation, extracorporeal support for pediatrics, and for morbidity or long-term outcomes. Um, when we came, Doug, Neil, and me, um, Doug was expecting to have um, enough recommendations to build a protocol that could be included in, in research because he was conducting research in Calfacton and discovered that the, the different teams were working very differently, so it was difficult to remove the noise due to the different management of the patients. I was expecting to develop um, a, a protocolized ventilation strategy in ARDS, and Neil was, uh, on, wanted to see how the outcomes could be. So with all this mixed, we went through, uh, through, through um, this um, organization. The, the consensus conference was made of three uh, meetings, uh, very small town, Chicago, Montreal, and Paris, um, and, uh, but most of the work was done between the meetings. And so the, the methodology was based on uh, Randuncla uh, rating methods. Uh, so the two or more experts are doing the literature search and are writing recommendations on the uh, arguments for these recommendations. Then we, uh, we have a meeting with all the recommendations and we discuss them, we arrange the wording to, to be sure that we, we can have an agreement on that. And then after, all the experts rate all the recommendations. We, we do a first rating um, where we can see agreement, disagreement. The ones who are with a strong agreement, I will, uh, then they are okay. The ones who are with disagreement or equipoise, then we we try to reword uh, the recommendations, and then we do a second rating where the experts have a look to the previous um, quotation that has been done, um, and, on, and then we, we see if we can have um, an agreement on, on, on these new recommendations that have been rewording. Uh, the rating system is a, a linker scale from one to nine. If the rating is between seven and nine, then there is an agreement. And we look at the median after removing the highest and lowest uh, grade. So if you have, in our consensus conference, there was 27 experts. So you have 27 people that rate a recommendation, and we remove the lower and the highest rate. So if there is a nine and a one, you remove it, you look at the median, and if the median is between seven and nine, it's an agreement, and if the range the lower and the highest value after removing one is between seven and nine, then you got a strong agreement. If the range is outside the seven and nine, it's a weak agreement. It's very important to understand the process for the, the agreement we had at the end. So there was a first meeting in Chicago just to present the methodology. Then between Chicago and Montreal, there was a six-month period of time where the, uh, all the experts works on the subtopics, produced uh, recommendations on their subtopics, produced argumentation, uh, but we will uh, name the long text uh, recommendation and then the explication why this recommendation is there. And then we, meet, we met in, uh, in Montreal to discuss 
all the, uh, each recommendation. There, there was around 150 recommendations that were produced, and it took two days to go through that with, with all the 27 experts discussing it around the table. So that was the meeting in Montreal, and then after that, there was the rating system, the first round, then we, we came out with 74 uh, recommendations that were with strong agreement, and then we reworded the 76 uh, recommendations that were uh, left. Uh, there was a back and draw uh, about these recommendations, and then we did a second rating. After the second uh, round, well, we had the third meeting in Paris, uh, we had seven recommendations that were weak recommendations on the definition. So we, we, this was a bit tricky to have a definition, not with a strong agreement. So we rediscussed in Paris with the seventh part of the, of the definition, and then we went out with a, a strong agreement on the definition. Of course, you can word the things, you can have a strong agreement on something that is uh, saying um, there is no data uh, in the literature and we should do research on that. And everybody agrees and you've got a strong agreement. So we, we tried to have a recommendation that were strong enough to help for protocols and strong enough to help for research. So at the end, we came out with 151 recommendations. Uh, only 20 were weak agreement. We did not have any equipoise or disagreement and this is due to the methodology used. So now, what's, what are the recommendations we've got? Various recommendations that can be used for protocols and various ones that can be used for research. First of all, uh, as the adults uh, did, um, we removed the word acute lung injury from the definition and we kept acute respiratory distress syndrome. So the, the name that we propose is pediatric acute respiratory distress syndrome. As the definition is different from the adults, you, we will have a definition for pediatric ERDS and then definition for ERDS. Of course, there is the, the in-between for an adolescent uh, that is admitted in an adult intensive care unit or an, uh, admitted in a pediatric intensive care. Do we use the pediatric definition or the adult definition? Then uh, we, have, we have to choose as an, an intensivist. Um, but this, this can be decided by the, by, by the intensivist according to either the protocol or for uh, the research that is conducted. Um, the definition included several points that were not addressed by the Berlin definition. Uh, we kept uh, to exclude uh, patients with we, we exclude patients with perinatal related lung disease, but we kept all ages. Timing uh, within seven days of non-clinical insults, so we keep the same uh, range of time for the, in this definition. Same also for the origin of edema, respiratory failure not fully explained by cardiac failure or fluid overload. Uh, the chest imaging, we, we change that because there is many patients with ERDS, when you look at the chest X-ray, there is not a bilateral infiltrate. Within 12, 24 hours, it will became bilateral, but you can have severe hypoxemia and only uh, an infiltrate on one side. So we changed the bilateral infiltrate for findings of new infiltrate consistent with acute pulmonary parenchymal disease. For the definition of acute hypoxemia, um, the definition was based on PAO2 or FAO2 ratio, as you remember. Um, with a number, uh, it, it, was, it would be mild in adult definition if it's below uh, 300. Uh, we really believe that uh, we should include 
ventilatory settings in the, uh, in the definition of acute hypoxemia. And so we use the oxygenation index. Uh, and we've um, validated, well, we validated this range of uh, oxygenation index for mild, moderate, and severe on databases. I will show you after, uh, after that. Uh, specifically, uh, Robindo Kemeni uh, has got a, a database in, C, uh, in CHL in Los Angeles, in Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, and he showed that there was a correlation of the mortality with the increase of oxygenation index, and this uh, justified the range that are here with an um, oxygenation index for mine that are between 4 and 8, moderate between 8 and 16, and severe if it's above 16. The other problem, uh, this is on invasive mechanical ventilation. Uh, the other problem is that many of the patients have got acute hypoxemia but without an arterial blood gas. So uh, do we include them or not in our... Uh, in, in our management um, and consider them as ERDS? And the answer among the expert group was yes. Uh, and it's why we included in the definition the oxygen saturation index. Uh, oxygen saturation index, uh, the problem is with the curve of uh, oxygen saturation that is flat at the, at the end. So um, we included um, that the oxygen saturation index will be used if we do not have an arterial blood gas. And secondly, uh, we need to win the FI2 uh, to obtain an oxygen saturation of uh, 0.97 or below, as it is validated in, uh, in the literature. So uh, there is, there is a, uh, an action to do, just to try to keep the oxygen saturation below 97 to be uh, to below 98, start at 97, to be sure to, to, to have a criteria to enter the, this definition. So the, the, the range of the oxygen saturation index um, was defined according to the relationship between uh, PaO2 and SpO2 uh, with, um, uh, with, with a curve. For non-invasive mechanical ventilation, uh, we, we kept the definition of pediatric ERDS. Uh, it was difficult to use the oxygenation index as the mean airway pressure is not really known. Um, so uh, we, we kept the PF ratio and SF ratio for, for that. And so if you are with a full mask, uh, with a B-level ventilation or only CPAP above five centimeters of water, as it is in the adult definition, and you have a PF ratio below 300 or a SF ratio be below 264 with a SpO2 below 97%, then you have an ARDS. The other point uh, that we, uh, we raised before uh, starting the, this consensus conference is that there is several children we have in our PICU that were not in the definition because of their underlying disease. And we, we tried to uh, go into a, uh, a definition of ADS in such patients. And we, we move forward with this, um, this uh, criteria for the definition for cyanotic heart disease, chronic lung disease, and left ventricular dysfunction. But we, we recognize that it's not very accurate. And probably this will need 
further work to refine uh, the definition, but it's a start. So we identify that cyanotic heart disease, chronic lung disease, and left ventricle dysfunction cannot go into the definition of the RDS as it, as it was. And then we said that the standard criteria above for age timing, origin of edema, and chest imaging with acute deterioration in oxygenation, not explained by underlying disease, or so cardiac disease, or um, chronic lung disease, or left ventricular dysfunction. So that's the definition as we propose to uh, the community. And this definition had a strong agreement. That means that all the experts, eventually but one, but all the experts agreed uh, on that with a median that was between seven and nine, it was eight. We also wanted to identify uh, children that, that were at risk of pediatric acute rest, uh, respiratory distress syndrome because maybe this population should be uh, we should look at, at this population and try to avoid any additional uh, factors that may uh, uh, create the more severe disease. And so the definition for the at-risk population is the, the, the same on the age, the timing, the origi origin of edema, the chest imaging, and the, the criteria for oxygenation was different. If a patient is in, in invasive mechanical ventilations, uh, it's... If, um, if, if he needs any oxygen supplementations to maintain an SpO2 above 88%, but with an oxygen index below 4 or oxygen saturation index below 5, because he, otherwise he would have a pediatric RDS. And in non-invasive uh, mechanical ventilation, uh, any, any oxygen via mask, nasal cannula, or high flow cannula, and if it's with um, uh, oxygen, uh, only oxygen uh, can, uh, cannula, then it's, uh, the idea was if the FO2 is above 40% to attain an oxygen saturation between 88 and 97%. So we, we tried to go further and define what is 400% of FIO2 with oxygen uh, cannula. That, that's, that's difficult and a bit tricky. Uh, we went back to the physiology of gases and then uh, proposed this definition according to the age. Um, and because we, there is a minute volume that is behind that, and well, that's the definition as it is, and it may help to define which patient. For example, you've got a, uh, a patient that is admitted in, uh, in hemato-oncology and he has got some oxygen and uh, they want you for, uh, for advice then you can say he's, he's at risk of pediatric ARDS with such a condition. And uh, you will see that a lot of them are in this definition. So that's for the section one and the definition. Section, section two was on the pathophysiology and the morbidity, and I will, that was rather recommendations on research, and I will just comment uh, one definition. I will not go through all the 150 uh, recommendations, but just uh, on the ones that were the the, the, the more, uh, to highlight the more important in brackets. So about the ventilatory support, uh, the idea was to define uh, how do we set uh, ventilation when we have a patient with a, with a pediatric ARDS that is defined as, as we've just seen. Uh, and here is the two recommendations that can come out. Um, that's, uh, no, we recommend using patient-specific tidal volumes according to disease severity. Tidal volume should be three to six meter per kilogram ideal body wave. We are not speaking of actual body wave for patients with poor respiratory system compliance and closer to the physiologic range for patients with better preserved respiratory system compliance. 
we set the ventilation, there, there was a lot of ideas. Every of us are experts in the domain, and we had difficulties to have a strong agreement. But there was a weak agreement. That means that the median range was between seven and nine, and some, uh, more than one was outside this range, uh, rate below, below seven. So in the, the second recommendation was in the absence of transpulmonary pressure measurements, we recommend an inspiratory pressure plateau limit of 28 centimeters of water. This is very precise, allowing for slightly higher pressure, plateau pressure, 29 to 32, for patients with increased chest wall compliance. This means reduced chest wall compliance. Uh, well, with increased chest wall elastance, sorry. This means reduced chest wall compliance. For the PEEP setting, um, so we, what, what we, we have shown in studies is that the, the PEEP we are using is lower than in adults, and we try to put some levels of uh, some numbers. Uh, so we recommend moderately elevated levels of PEEPs between 10 and 15, tutated to the observed oxygenation and hemodynamic response in patients with severe pediatric ARDS, weak agreement. Uh, a PEEP levels above 15 may be needed for severe RDS, although attention should be paid to limiting the plateau pressure as previously described in the, in the recommendation I've, I've shown you before. Markers of oxygen delivery, pulmonary compliance, and endomodynamics should be closely monitored as PEEP is increased. That's just logical. About high-frequency oscillatory ventilation, there has been several papers in adults showing that there is no benefit when compared to conventional ventilation. But uh, all the experts around felt that high-frequency oscillation ventilation is part of our, uh, our panel of, of treatment in, in such children. And then the wording is high-frequency oscillatory ventilation should be considered as an alternative mode in hypoxic respiratory failure in patients in whom plateau pressure is above 28 centimeters of water in absence of clinical evidence of reduced chest wall compliance. Such an approach should be considered for those with moderate to severe pediatric ARDS. And uh, about the, the management of high-frequency oscillatory ventilation, we suggest that the optimal lung volume be achieved by exploration of the potential for lung recruitment by a stepwise increase or de decrease of the mean airway pressure under continuous monitoring of oxygenation and CO2 response as well as hemodynamic parameters. There is other recommendation on high-frequency ventilation, but it's rather on jet ventilation. Uh, about gas exchange, still in the ventilatory support, um, titrate oxygenation and ventilation go based, upon, on, based on the perceived risk of the toxicity of the ventilatory support required, that's logical also. For mild pediatric RDS, meaning PEEP below 10, SpO2 should, be generally be, should generally be maintained at 92-97%. And if uh, the third recommendation, after optimizing PEEP, lower SpO2 level in the range of 88 to 92% should be considered for those for, with pediatric RDS with PEEP above 10. Uh, we went through um, the pulmonary-specific ancillary treatment, and uh, we had the nitric oxide. We say that it's not recommended, but may be considered. The surfactant, there is not enough data for that. 
We went through non-plenary treatment in pediatric ARDS, sedation or muscular blockade, nutrition, food management, transfusion. I will not go through all these recommendations, but there, there were always strong agreements. And all these recommendations will be published soon in pediatric critical care medicine. Uh, the, the manuscript is now ready. Uh, monitoring of patients with pediatric ARDS. Um, there, there is some uh, there is words on the predicted body wave that should be used, and we have work to do uh, to refine how, we use, uh, how we, we use the predicted body wave. It can be from eighth uh, length or from ulnar length. Uh, about the weaning, uh, we recommend, we recommend uh, at least daily assessment of predefined clinical and physiological criteria of extubation readiness in order to avoid unnecessary prolonged ventilation. There was a strong agreement across uh, all the experts and spontaneous briefing trials and our extubation readiness tests should be performed. Non-invasive support was um, in, in a pediatric ARDS is not so much demonstrated because there is a risk of deterioration. And so the two recommendations I highlight is that although non-invasive should be delivered in a setting with trained experienced staff and where close monitoring is available to rapidly notify and treat deterioration. And then children using NPPV should be closely monitored for potential problems such as skin breakdown, gastric distension, bowel trauma, and contractivus. About ECMO, ECMO is part of our panel also, so we included recommendations, but it's, it's the recommendation we, we commonly use uh, uh, in the unit with, uh, with ECMO. Uh, and on long, morbidity and long-term outcomes, we, we tried to, to define how the follow-up could be done, and this is one of the recommendations that has been uh, accepted with strong agreement. In all children with pediatric ARDS who undergo invasive mechanical ventilation, we recommend screening for pulmonary function abnormalities within the first year after discharge, including a minimum of respiratory symptom questionnaires on pulse oximetry, and various examples of questionnaires that can be used. So that's, that's the part that it's the problem of knowledge transfer to, know, to apply knowledge. So to apply knowledge in a, in a unit, you need to have a protocol that is adapted to your unit. And these kinds of recommendations can be used to build the protocol. That's the, that's the idea. There are also recommendations that can be used for research. And I can give you an example. We, we went through the definitions. And uh, Robinder, um, as I, I told you, uh, tested on his database um, the increase in mortality according to the oxygenation index, and I put you the, the, the figure that will be in the, in the manuscript in the supplement of pediatric critical care medicine. I, I didn't tell you, tell you, but all the long text recommendations with the arguments will be in a, on the supplement, and the short text, all the recommendations will be in the normal pediatric critical care medicine journal. Um, so, we tested on other databases. Simon did that on his database. Um, Yolanda Lopez on the Spanish database. So there is, there is way to improve or to confirm the, the definitions that we, that we gave. There is also uh, recommendations for, future, uh, for the future. So future studies, and future studies are needed to determine the optimal common training or effect of automated methodologies to reduce inter-observer variability in the interpretation of chest imaging for pediatric ARDS. And there is a, a poster that has present, presented of my team on this topic. And uh, there is two papers that will come out on the assessment with a computer-aided diagnosis system for the diagnosis of uh, of uh, chest X-ray ARDS. 
there was also a recommendation on pathophysiology and comorbidities. We recommend development of a validated non-pulmonary organ system failure definition for use in pediatric ERDS research. When we did the third meeting in Paris, there was um, the team with uh, Francis Leclerc from Lille uh, that has worked on the payload, and then they, they tested the non-respiratory payload 2 score, uh, and they demonstrated that it's a good predictor of mortality in children with acute respiratory failure, because you, you need to have a score that excludes the respiratory part. And so uh, the non-respiratory pillar 2 was, was quite a good predictor, and it will be published soon. So you see that this recommendation can, can trigger some research uh, further. We also proposed the endpoints that can be used in, um, uh, in uh, trials. Uh, so they, they are all listed in this recommendation that had a strong agreement. I will not go through, but this can help you when you design a, a, a research trial on ARDS to know which kind of endpoint you, you can use. There is a specific recommendation that says that we should not use intermediate endpoints such as the decrease of the, the increase of oxygen saturation or whatever, uh, because this is not uh, really clinically relevant, and we rather like to have uh, uh, rates of new or progressive organ dysfunction of uh, duration of oxygen therapy or something like that. Here we are, so it was a lot of work. It's, uh, it's two years uh, from the idea to the, com to the complete uh, consensus conference and our commission's done. Uh, here is, um, I present this uh, on the support of uh, all the members that participated to this consensus conference. And the idea was to bring to the pediatric intensivist community some, some uh, some, uh, some guidelines that can help into the management inside the unit, but also to the development of research. And then we will see if this work will be, uh, will be useful with time. Thank you very much. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.